following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Um, Charlie Brown, anybody know Peanuts? Anyone? <clears throat> Charlie Brown and Lucy and Linus are laying on the ground. They're looking up at the sky. Lucy says, if you use your imagination, you could see lots of things in the clouds. What do you see, Linus? <clears throat> well, Linus responds, well, those clouds up there look like the map of the British Honduras of the Caribbean. Where did these kids get this vocabulary? Who taught them these things? Um, but he says, uh, well, those clouds up there, that's what they look like. That cloud looks like a profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. Now, never underestimate what a kid knows. My daughter tells me some stuff sometimes that blows my mind. Um, and the group of clouds over there gives me the impression of stoning of Stephen. I can see the Apostle Paul standing here to one side. Sick and twisted imagination of a kid looks up in the clouds and sees people stoning people. Something wrong with that, okay? Lucy congratulates him. Uh-huh. That's very good. What do you see in the clouds, Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown <laughs> replies, I love this. He says, well, I was going to say I saw a ducky and a horsey, but I changed my mind. <laughs> Lucy has a way, if you've ever seen Peanuts, of making Charlie Brown think things that he doesn't believe. Uh, she often forces, if you've ever seen uh, the show, especially around Easter and Christmas time and stuff like that, uh, allowing him um, to think for uh, her instead of allowing him to think for himself. The same can be said for leading kids to Jesus Christ. It can be very, 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 very dangerous. This morning we're talking all about how to lead our kids to the Lord and help them to understand. And if you don't have children, you still need to plug in here because a lot of you are grandparents or you know of a child that you minister to, all right? So uh, I don't want you to check out if you sit here and listen to it and you go, oh, they're talking about kids today. I'm going to go ahead and do whatever it is I do. Uh, Stay with us, okay? This is really, really important for all of us who are gathered here this morning. All right. If we're not careful how we lead our children to Jesus Christ, now follow me here at church for a second, we can easily guide them into what is called a false profession of faith. A lot of this material I got from Larry Moyer, um, he's actually coming to our church. I told you that in about a month, month and a half. And um, the only word that I stand on here when we talk about leading our kids to Jesus Christ is the Bible. All right, that is the 66 books of, uh, of our word of the word of God, excuse me. And this is substantial for all teaching. All right? This is what we look to as a church. I remember I was talking to one of my professors, and I said, there's some things that I can't preach about because I don't feel like I'm experienced enough. And he says, no, 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 Jordan, you're wrong in that. You can preach on anything that the Bible teaches on and anything that is going on in our culture using the Bible because it's the Bible, it's the Word of God, it's the foundation for our lives. And so you don't have to say you're not qualified. You just have to look back at what the Word says. So that's what we're going to do here this morning, okay? Now, a false profession— is a choice someone makes because they knew someone else wanted them to make. Some of you made a profession of Jesus Christ in this room based off of some youth leaders pushing you to do that. All right? Some of you maybe made a commitment to Jesus Christ because there was a specific individual in your life that you knew wanted you to make that choice. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't really want to do that. But, you know, what do you see in the clouds? Uh, I see people stoning other people. Not even. 
okay? And so we look to a false profession and we see that a real profession has to be a true internal heartfelt act, okay? It can't be forced on somebody else. You can't uh, show up to heaven and God looks at you and he says, why should I let you? Jesus looks at you and says, why should I let you in this door? And you say, well, I made a decision because my mom wanted me to make a decision. It doesn't fly, all right? Kids will do almost anything we want them to do, amen? Unless they're your kids. <laughs> then they don't do anything that you want them to do. But we know that kids are like moldable. They're impressionable. And so whether we want to, <clears throat> oh, we're flipping this morning. We want to admit it or not, kids want to honor you as a parent. They really do. They want to honor us as parents. And so ultimately, even though you may or may not admit this, your child really does want to make you happy. Regardless of what these teenagers would tell you, okay? Your child really does want to make you happy. We, some of us, still want to make our parents happy, right? I mean, some of us are still kind of living in this, all right? But we choose what mom or dad chooses at a young age unless led to make choices on our own accord. Now, what am I getting at here? We can do several things to help our children clearly understand the gospel and trust Christ on their own. A true profession, not a false profession, if we look at a couple of things, okay? First thing I want you to go to is the book of John, chapter 20. <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all right? Four gospels in the New Testament tell us the life of Jesus. We go to John, chapter 20. We look to verse 31. John chapter 20, verse 31. And before we get into what it looks like for kids, we have to again work to clarify these things, okay? Go back to 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs in presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. 31 is so important. Underline this in your Bible. These are written. Why are the gospels written to us? Why is the Bible here? These are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, or Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his he just tells you the reason that the Bible was written, the reason that this letter was given is so that you'll know that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why we're called community gospel. You intertwine with one another to make sure people understand that you can have life in the name of Jesus Christ, life that is eternal. When we look to our kids or we look to the kids that are underneath our care, or even those of you who who are um, working with our children's ministry and our children here in this place, we strive, first and foremost, write this down, always, 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 always to make the gospel clear. It doesn't matter if it's kids, doesn't matter if it's adults, doesn't matter if it's uh, older adults, like how I said that. It has to be clear. That gospel message has to be clear. I gave you 1 Corinthians 15. I've given you John 3, 16. I've given you Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And now we're sitting here at John chapter 20, verse 31. And the clarity of the gospel is that Jesus really is the Christ. Say it. Say, Jesus is the Christ. These are written so that you may know. See, you get that? You're tracking with that? Okay, clarity is always going to be king for us as Christians. We have to, have to, have to be clear. In order to make the gospel clear to young people, it must be clear to us, to mom and dad. 
Did you, did you get that? Like, my daughter doesn't understand unless I understand. Now, here's the funny thing. We're at the uh, moment right now in our life with our kids where we gather around the table uh, for dinner and we pray before we eat. It used to be that I would pray before we eat and then all of a sudden the kids kind of caught on. And so all of a sudden now, Kareen says, I want to pray, Dad. I want to pray, Dad. What do you say? No. Like she's stealing my thunder. Are you serious? This is my time. You listen. No. You say, okay, let's have at it. Okay. What do you, what do you think? So she gathers around and she says, and, and Bethany and I, we keep our eyes open. Okay. That's, don't judge. And uh, we look at her and we're like, what's she going to say? And she says, dear God, thank you for my mom or thank you for my dad and my sister. And I pray that my mom would love me. And Bethany goes, she goes, Kareen, I do love you. She goes, no, you do not love me. I said, what happened today? What, what happened? I said, whoa, what happened? Now, where did she get? No, two things in our life with our kids that we have never taught our kids. We've never taught our kids how to use silverware, and we've never taught our kids how to pray. Where did they get it from? Mom and dad, we just would sit the silverware down next to them and we would just pray at the dinner table and all of a sudden they started catching on to the fact that, hey, maybe this is something that I should participate in. Does she get it fully? No, not, not yet, obviously, all right? Or maybe she does, maybe she gets it better than we do. Um, but no, they, they, they sit there and they get it because it's clear to them. All right, Gianna's at the other side, she's laughing. She's like, God, thanks for the food, amen. Like her prayers are awesome, especially when you're hungry. And she gets it because it's clear, okay? So John 20, verse 31 says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. John's whole purpose in writing the gospel account of Jesus is that you may believe. Tap your neighbor, say, believe. Circle it in your Bible. That's the whole thing. Why is there a book written to me? So that you may believe. Okay, John wants us to believe so bad that he uses that word 98 times in the book of John. He uses it 98 times, which means two things for us as we teach our kids the gospel. First of all, write this down, okay, this probably isn't in your outline, but we need to be clear on the concept of belief. Okay, Jesus doesn't exist like Olaf exists. All right, these aren't like the same thing, okay? The magical snowmen, not real. Jesus Christ, real. They may equate them in the same category because that's how their little minds work, all right? We have to be clear on the concept of belief, inviting Jesus into your heart, giving your life to God, giving your heart to Jesus, not in the Bible, okay? What's in the Bible is that John, as well as a bunch of other biblical authors, speaks specifically about belief, Believe and you will be saved. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Uh, John chapter 3 verse 16. For um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would. See? It's, it's over and over and over. It's so repetitious. Okay? Therefore, we are to use terminology that is specifically outlined in scripture to avoid a child from being confused. I mean, this is just, this is, this is so a duh for me, but it's like, wow, I, I didn't even think about that. 
Acts chapter 26, verse 16. Clarity, according to that book, says that this opens their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins as an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what belief does. Now, those of you who don't have kids, this works for adults too. Be clear on the gospel. It is belief in Jesus Christ and that and that alone, which gives us a relationship with God the Father. I cannot get more passionate. I could get more passionate about this, but man, this grinds my gears when we make this something that it's not. Second thing is, it outlines the difference between prayers and belief. See, <laughs> Green's sitting there and she thinks that mom doesn't love her. She, what? Where did you get that from? Because she took away seven of my toys today. That's a good mom, by the way. Okay. But we, look, we sit there and we look at it and, and prayer and belief are two totally different avenues here. We can confuse our children if we focus on praying a prayer of confession instead of trusting a person, which is Jesus. Okay? So when we look at this, we have to ask our children, when the moment comes of belief in Jesus Christ, are you trusting in Jesus or are you saying a prayer for mommy and daddy? You see that? It's because Olaf's not real. Magical snowman. Jesus is real. We have evidence to prove that. Yeah, but dad, evidence to prove Olaf's real too. I put him in the DVD player and he pops on and all of a sudden, woo! No, no, different, okay? Two different things. Remember, faith is, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Belief. Okay? The prayer is the affirmation of the belief. Question, does the student have faith, hope, belief in Jesus Christ, regardless of not seeing them physically? Go out and show your student that God exists. How do we know God exists, mom? How do we know that Jesus was real? Well, let me take you outside and let's, let's, let's show you a tree. Let's show you the sky. Let's show you the grass. Let's show you how this thing all works. Let me tell you how mommy was cured from cancer, okay? I mean, let's just, let's just break open this can of worms for our students so that they can see what it means to believe. Do you believe you're standing on the ground? Yes or no? So you can use tangible things with our students. Think about this in regards to spanking our children. Now, we're not going to get in the whole debate of uh, I spank, I don't spank. We're going to put, you know, you spankers over here and you non-spankers over here and then we'll fight. That'd be kind of cool. We could play dodgeball in the gym, right? And then whoever wins gets to, okay, never mind. All right. (laughs) Spanking, whether you agree with it or not, is something that every single child understands whether or not they get spanked, okay? Regardless of where you stand on this, we can use normal consequences like spanking to explain the clarity of the gospel to a child. What are you talking about? Watch this. Explain to a child what would happen if they were about to be spanked for being disobedient. Okay, now, what if we took that spanking from them? Like, I can just imagine my kids. Kareen, you are in trouble. And so what I'm going to do is your sister is going to take the consequences of your sin upon herself. And I'm going to spank her instead. John's sitting there going, what? Hold on a second. I did nothing. This just happened in our house. They were downstairs watching the DVD. We started pitching a fit. So I walked down there. I said, you know what? No more TV. You know, turn the TV off. Kareen's like, no. John is sitting there going, I did nothing. Turn the TV back on, kick her upstairs. I did nothing to deserve this. Okay, she took the whole punishment upon herself. Now, what happens is 
we communicate that we would be the substitute for the sin. Like if I went over and I spanked Gianna Crean for your sin, she would be the substitute for your sin. Crean's like, I like this. This is working to my favor. Okay. Now we continue to communicate when we explain that Jesus did this the same way. He was the substitute for our sin. Okay. That's something they can understand. It's in their world. Ah, check that off the list. Right. Okay. All of them. All of your sins, not just some of them, all of them. He died, rose again, conquered sin and death forever. This is the example of substitution. It's clear, it's personal, and it gives children something to understand on their own level. Oh, you mean God wants to, God wants to speak to me on my own level? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now note, use everyday situations that your child faces to be clear about pointing back to the gospel. Don't use them as ammunition to get them to do what you want them to do. This is not good. Would you want Jesus to take your sin? Well, hold on a second. Okay. We're not, we're not tracking down that. Okay. The gospel is a clear message that is simple and easy to understand. How hard do you want God to make this? Okay. Now, God intended it to be this way, and we trust in Christ alone. We believe that it is a message that must be made clear. Look how Paul makes this clear in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Go do the same for your children or those entrusted to your care. Make it clear. Make the gospel clear. It is belief in Jesus Christ. Now, go a little bit farther to the book of Romans chapter 8. Okay? So we move from John and we go over to Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Watch what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8 verse 14. He says... For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, he says, for all who are led. Say led. Now, this is important. Write this down. Number two, this is so important when we deal with kids that we are to lead, not drive our kids. Okay? We lead. Kind of like a sheep is led to uh, water to drink, or if we're going to lead sheep. You never go and watch a shepherd who beats the sheep back to getting him to do what he wants to do. Sometimes he's got to. Sometimes he goes all the way over here, and he's got a club, and he, and he, and he you know, hits these sheep or whatever. I mean, sometimes that happens, but what we see is the sheep are led, okay? There's, there's, there's a sheepdog, et cetera, et cetera, goes all over the place, and he gets him to go where he wants him to go. Now, all kids mature at completely different rates. If you believe that, say amen. Okay, so like, we look at our little kids. You're maturing at a very slow rate. Don't tell them that. All right. You look at the other kid and you say, man, you are just, you're, you're getting quick. I look at Kareen sometimes. She tells me some things and I'm like, where did you get that from? She probably got it from her mom because her mom's really, really smart. And she's really, really smart. She matures at a fast pace. John, on the other hand, she's like, hey, let's put some bike helmets on our head. Let's take our head back. Let's laugh. This is a fun life. Throw me in the wagon. Walk me around the block. I'm happy. Okay. That's just how she operates. She care less. Kareen's like, Johnny, you have to do this and this and this and this. She's like, let's just go do what we want to do. All right, completely different maturity rates. All right, some students come to a unyielding comprehension very, very quickly. Bethany came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior at five years old. She got it. She figured out belief at five years old. Okay, well, others much later in life. 
okay? Mental capacities are all different. Therefore, we can't assume that just because one of our children accepts Christ at a young age, the other will do the exact same thing, okay? Let me get, it, let me, let me get this as blunt as I possibly can. Timmy's not gonna be the same as Tommy and Tommy's not gonna be the same as Jed. They're just not, they're completely different kids. Let them be completely different kids. All right, they got different personalities. They're wired different. God intended it to be that way so that you would struggle as a parent. Just kidding. <clears throat> kind of, I don't know. Maybe that's probably true. I'm gonna get to heaven. Jesus is gonna be like, yep, yeah, you nailed it. Um, but we lead them to a belief in Jesus Christ. We don't drive it into them. This is huge. Okay, Romans 8, 14 says, those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So we lead a child through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't drive the Bible down their throats. Now, how do we do this? Let me show you what this looks like tangibly in our house. Okay, I believe in firmly in two things that should happen in every single family. I think you should eat at least one meal together without a television set. I just think you should. There's something that happens at the dinner table. Jesus ate with his disciples. We see things happen in a massive way over meals. Okay, God intended you to eat at least three times a day for me like 12. And so he says, I want you to sit down together and I want you to fellowship. My kids learned how to pray at the dinner table. All right. Some of you guys are like, that's impossible, whatever. What do you value as a family, okay? Set aside that time. Make it a priority to do this, this, this one action, heaven forbid. You're like, well, my wife can't cook. My husband can't cook. Go get, take it. I don't know. Do whatever you got to do, all right? The second thing is, I think you should always have devotions with your kids before they go to bed. I, I, just, think, I just think you should. And the reason is, behind it is, because that's our way of calming down at the end of the night. Okay, Green jumps in bed. Now, sometimes this is a chaotic mess. All right, amen, anyone? Okay, and sometimes this is like, I mean, there's like breakthroughs that happen and we just go nuts, all right? But it's as simple as this. Let me give you just how we lead our kids, okay? And I'm not saying this is the way to do it. I'm just saying this is how we lead our kids. We do, um, and it's similar in my house, we do potty teeth and jammies, okay? So you go to potty, you get that one, okay? Uh, brush your teeth, it's important get your jammies on and then we jump into bed okay and and literally like Beth and I sitting on you know Kareen's bed or whatever and both kids we do the we, we do uh separate we do one with Gianna we do one with Kareen we sit down with them Kareen's got like a little like Jesus Bible we open that up we read that to her sometimes she's like all over the place sometimes she's really plugged in she's got a little um like kids devotional that every single day we walk through it and we're like, hey, Timmy was really nice to his parents today, blah, blah, blah. It's got a Bible verse at the bottom and it's got a little prayer. We pray with our kids. We sing them a couple songs. We lay them into bed and they go to sleep just like really good children do. Okay. John, she can't go anywhere. That crib is a godsend. Karina, on the other hand, she's open season, free game. All right, she turns on the light or whatever. That's how we lead our kids. It's slow, little steady drips. Where did we get that? We do the same thing in the morning. Okay, Bethany and I, our devotions are set aside in the morning. They watch us do it. Okay, we're just leading them. We're saying, hey, these are the truths of scripture. This is what God's word says. I, you're entrusted to my care. I didn't ask somebody if, you were, if I was supposed to do this. I didn't go checking into Dr. Phil. I checked into God's word. It tells me what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to lead my students here. And so that's how we lead them. I think those two important things, if you're not doing them in your family, start. Have a meal together. Bethany's family, it was breakfast. Ours, it's, it's dinner. And put them to bed. Okay? 
And sometimes, to be honest with you, we pray that they would sleep. All right? And we ask Kareem, hey, what do you want to pray for? My friends at church. We, want, we ask them, just what, what, what do you got, okay? We're leading them. We're not driving this down their throats. Green, study scripture, blah, blah, blah. We're not doing that. John, the other day, we do one, uh, one verse a, a, a week. John's the other day, uh, last week was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Yeah, we merge it down, okay? She's not gonna get the whole thing. And we say, John, be strong, be strong and courageous. And courageous, okay? And it's, it's, it's just, we're leading them in there. Joshua 1.9, whatever, dad, do the strong thing again. Right? Leading them. Once a young person shows interest, keep reviewing, keep explaining the gospel until those children place their trust, they believe in Christ. And let it be their own decision, okay? When they ask questions, good. Let them ask questions, all right? We're leading them, not forcing them to make a decision that we want. I want my kids to trust Christ. I really do, church. Like, I, I desire it, but it's gotta be their decision. What if they don't? What if they reject it? Then that's in God's hands, and I pray for them every single day that they would, but that's their decision, okay? It's gotta be their decision. If it's not, and it's just mine, then it's a false profession, Remember, we may desire that they trust Christ, which it should be. That should be your desire. It should be impressed on your heart that you want your kids to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have to keep in mind, it's ultimately their choice to make. We cannot do this or force this, okay? Now go back to the left to the book of Matthew, okay? We went from the gospels to a letter back to the gospels, okay? Matthew, very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, verse three. I love this, this is Jesus talking. Now, watch this. At the time, we're gonna go way back to verse one. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What an arrogant, cocky thing to do, seriously. Why would you even ask Jesus that? I don't know, I'd probably do it myself too, so whatever. And calling to him as a child, he put him in the midst of them. So he pulls the kids around. Hey, Jesus, who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Like, what do you got? What's, what's the greatest, uh, which one of us is just number one, okay? He pulls this little kid and he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, you turn, you have to become like a child. Well, track with me here for a second. What Jesus is saying is, he's looking at him saying, these believe, these students, these kids believe. And he is essentially focusing on a fact, not a date. Third, write that down. We with our children have to, must emphasize facts and not be bent on a date in time. As children continue to grow and mature, so will their understanding of God's plan and salvation. All right? Now, the moment they believed is important, okay? Don't get me wrong, that's where it's at. But it will grow as they grow. Just like you grow. You came to a belief in Jesus Christ and your knowledge of salvation grew. Some of you, that was a specific date. You can nail it down. You can say, this is the moment that I came to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and that's great. A child's a little bit different because now we're not saying work salvation here, okay? We're just saying that their understanding of salvation grows. Track with me here for a second. A deeper knowledge of Christ develops in a child. A deeper understanding of what God did for us, his creation becomes more and more and more clear. Do they understand belief? Sure, maybe they do, okay? But their knowledge of that continues to 
deepen. We can come to faith like a child, Matthew 18, verse three, which you just said, a full understanding of that relationship continues to develop. Therefore, sometimes a child will ask and they'll look at you and they'll say, did I really understand what I was doing when I was so young? Be careful answering that question with the date. What are you talking about, Jordan? Well, watch this. Understand that the first step of sal- is uh, the first that salvation is not progressive. So we come to know Christ, develop an understanding, the full ramifications of that relationship as it grows. The damage comes when we answer the question with a date because we often respond, well, don't you remember when you were five and you trusted Christ? What if their understanding and their knowledge is and they're questioning it? Well, let's go back to belief. Okay, let's go back and, and talk about belief. What are you believing in? Like ask the child those things, all right? Well, we as parents remember that date specifically and what happened, our children, they might not remember it. They have no recollection of it. I mean, kids fall down and hit their heads. It just happens. And they may have no idea what you're talking about, okay? Well, don't you remember when you were five years old, you, you, you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and you should follow that Savior. What did you, what did you just do? You drove, man, you pushed. You said, you gotta do this. Well, hold on a second, okay? This isn't like eating your green beans at dinner time. This is a whole different ball game, all right? This isn't something that we sit there and we say, hey, eat this or else you will die. We say, well, let's talk about it. Let's walk through this. What, what, what's going on? Where, why do you say that, okay? We may believe that a choice was made, but what if it wasn't we, what we thought? Maybe, just maybe, a decision wasn't made, but a seed was planted, maybe. Okay? I know that's hard for some of you as parents. Like that'd be really hard for me, okay? If my daughter looked at me and said, dad, I wanna, I, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yay! You know, we throw those little Christian parties like we do. Oh, good, awesome, absolutely. And then seven years old, she looks at me and says, dad, what's belief in Jesus? Well, don't you remember when you were five years old? I mean, well, I mean, what, what happened? Well, maybe she's just asking. Like, okay, when you were five, you said you believed in Jesus. What, is, what does that look like now? Do you, do, you, do you still believe? Now, I'm not saying you can lose your salvation, okay? Don't, don't run down that road. Don't, don't look at it in regards to that. I'm just asking. We're dealing with kids here whose knowledge is growing. They're still working to understand. This isn't an adult, okay? We're not sitting there saying, hey, well, what happened? Did you believe? Now, with an adult, we can look back at you and we can say, hey, hold on a second. You believed in Jesus Christ here. What, what's going on? All right, we could do that with an adult, all right? Because an adult totally comprehends things in a whole different level, okay? Responding with a date can give false assurance of salvation. It just can't. It can give a false front. Now, I know, and one of my prayers before I even got up here this morning to talk to you was, God, please don't let these people misunderstand what we're saying with this one point. I was worried about it. I still am worried about it because I think some of you are like, well, can you lose your salvation? Can you not lose your salvation? We don't believe that you can lose your salvation, okay? We believe once you come to a belief in Jesus Christ, you are sealed until the day of redemption. We believe that because that's what the Bible teaches. When we sit here and we look at this with children, we understand that it gets a little fuzzy. Now, how do I know that? Well, let me tell you kind of my story. 
I made a decision to come to follow Jesus Christ or believe in Jesus Christ because there's a lot of high school kids in my dad's youth group that were making those decisions. And so I wanted to be really, really cool and I wanted to look at it and I wanted to say, man, I'm gonna make this decision because there was, there was one guy in the youth group I really looked up to him and I made that decision because he made that decision. That's a false profession. And then when I got older, I started to understand all the stuff about what faith is really like. And so I looked at it and I realized that, you know, it's belief, believing in Jesus Christ, believe and you will be saved. The Bible gives a lot of backing in the assurance of our salvation. And we got to remember that assurance doesn't go to a date. It goes to a fact. John 5, 24, whoever believes in him, Jesus should not perish. That's John 3, 16, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes he who has sent me has eternal life. Emphasis, belief, 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 belief. Don't confuse this, okay? Don't confuse this. We look at this and we realize when we have doubts of salvation and when doubts of salvation enter our students, we must lead them back to the fact of who or what he or she is trusting in right now to go to heaven. Okay, what are you, what do you, what do you believe in? Where are you at? If we are trusting in Christ to get us to heaven, regardless of the date, we're forever his children. All right? Now, last thing, and we got to get this right, okay? We, we really got to get this right. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. I won't have you turn there. You can turn there if you want to. But write this down. This is the most important thing. Understand that salvation, please, please, please do not miss this church, that salvation is not contingent upon your child's behavior. This is where we mess up as parents, okay? This is where we just totally get it wrong. Salvation is not contingent upon our children's behavior. What do I mean by that? So many times a young person will come to know the Lord and then they'll act up. And we as mom and dad will say, now, don't you think if, you were a, if you're really a Christian, you'd do something like that? Don't tell me you've never done that because the thought has crossed my mind a thousand times, okay? Man, I had this kind of as ammunition in the back of my mind. I thought, well, hey, if my kids come to know the Lord, they're gonna be great kids. And you know what I can do? I can look at them and say, hey, you think as a Christian, you should act like that? I don't think so. Jesus isn't glorified with your efforts. And they're gonna look at me and go, huh? So what happens is we have to understand that when we come to know Jesus, our children and even our own behavior, okay? let's get in this boat, isn't going to be perfect right out the gate. She's not. Dang, that stinks. It takes time to be conformed to the image of Christ and hanging salvation over our, our, our young people is unfair. Because we don't do that to you. Like we don't look at you and we say, like some of you have come to know the Lord in the past year and you got problems, right? I mean, shoot, I got problems. And we don't look at you and we don't say, hey, as a Christian, we don't do that. What? Get out of here. We're in progress, okay? So we look at this and we realize that 2 Corinthians 3, 8, we are all being transformed, processed into his image with increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. The early Christians in the book of Corinthians, other books as well, were not the greatest at doing what they were supposed to do. Say amen, somebody, please. Amen. Holy cow. Like we're not the greatest at being the church. We just, it's, it's bad. We're not really good at this, Okay. We're not the greatest at doing what we're supposed to do. First Corinthians tells us that these early believers were immoral. They were taking each other to court. They were divisive. Community gospel will never do anything like that, right? 
How would you feel if you were trying to honor Christ and someone looked at you and said, do you think if you were a Christian, you would argue like that? How would you feel? So there's a difference between having a conversation, okay? And there's a difference between sitting and having condemnation. Salvation is never conditioned on our behavior, never. Not once. We're all sinners saved by grace and the need, the daily assurance of biblical facts to communicate this to our hearts. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we spend time in God's word. That's why what Hope said is so important that we would be faithful, that we would listen, that we would spend time in God's word, that we would spend time in prayer. And we go back to our belief when we believed in the name of Jesus. And we know that God works in us in the good times and he works in us in the bad times. And he's glorified with us because of the relationship that we have accepted. Now, church, can I be... <clears throat> worship band's gonna come up and man, I wrestle with this. I hope you don't take this wrong. But we have a lot of young families of young kids, okay? And I, hey, let me tell you something. I love that you're here. I really, really do. Like it, it warms my heart to see this building just flowing with people. I love it. My dad told me one thing when it comes to kids and I've taken this to heart because it's so, so, so true. And you guys can go on and you come up here, but more is caught than taught. I mean, if you write anything down today, more is caught than taught. That's so huge for us as we parent our children. Why? Why is that big? Why is that, why is that a big deal? Because let me tell you something that maybe you don't see as mom and dad. Our young people are watching you. They watch if you come to church. They watch if you don't come to church. They watch if you read your word. They watch if you don't read your word. They watch when you pray. They watch if you don't pray. They watch how you live your life. And mom and dad, if we aren't living lives that bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, and we're placing other things far more important than our relationship with Jesus Christ, then our kids will do the exact same thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is huge for me. I realize more and more in our culture, in our society, that there are times where maybe, just maybe, the government will come in one day and they'll pull me away and they'll take me to jail and I'll be forever separated from my family. I get that. And you know what? When I talk to Bob Conrad and people like Hope and our missionaries, I realize that that's a reality that they face every day. And we got it, got it good. And I look at my girls. I love them to death, man. They're good kids. But I want them to see that Jesus Christ is not number one on the list. He's everything. He's all through it. So you better believe that our Bible's not only open on the table, but we're reading it together as a family. You better believe that we just don't sit around at the dinner table and pray, thank you God for our food. We pray for you. We pray for each other. We pray for what God has done. You better believe on Sunday morning when we get up, this is a priority because we love our church. And we look at the family and we realize that it's important. You guys are all goofy. You really are. I'm goofy. But man, I love watching my daughters run around this church. And I love them looking at all these people. And we look at them and we say, Kareem, this is our family, the family of God. And you could come into the family of God if you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and did exactly what he said he did. He died on the cross for you. And our prayer is mom and dad is that our kids would come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah because we know that he is based off what the Bible tells us. Let's take a second. Let's pray for our kids. Lord Jesus, you've given us your son. Man, we love you. We care so much that uh, we just want to live our lives in reflection to that. God, sometimes we miss. 
God, I'm reminded of the sermon I just heard this past week about how when we first came into a relationship with you, oh, we were so excited. And we took that gift and it was entrusted to our care and we just loved it. And then after we've had it for a while, it starts to get old and we forget about it. And then even farther down the road, we put that gift up on the shelf. And maybe we come back to it once or twice. But ultimately, we start living our lives the way that we want to live our lives instead of living our lives the way that you want us to live our lives. And the biggest effect that has God is on our kids. And my prayer is it's been all week long for the kids of Community Gospel Church that their parents would love you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind and all their strength. That their marriages would be representations of your relationship with us. And that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Because mom and dad have such a firm belief in the fact that you came, you died, you rose again, you're ruling and reigning still, and you're dwelling within us. And we're sealed until the day of redemption, until you call us home. Thanks, God, so much for your gift. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.